For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Fiftieth apparently, so like the fiftieth anniversary of Dennis Lloyd Martin is was this month. Yeah, it was June fourteenth to be exact. It was uh, Father's Day weekend, nineteen sixty nine. Um, and I'm sure you guys probably know this already because I think we talked about it. But I, you know, I became a missing four one follow, missing four one one follower. Because of an interview that I had found, an early interview I had found online with David Paulides. And so I, so I didn't know what Missing 411 was or any of that uh, until I um, had heard this interview talking about the Dennis Martin case. And then, I, uh, then that's where I learned who David Pauliti was, which then led to me looking him up online and then finding the Missing 411, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... Yeah, I'm very familiar with that case, of course. Um, you know, um, even the specifics, like, you know, what happened, you know, where the key family saw the, we'll say the, the so-called shaggy man is what they called it, right. you know, five miles west yeah. of Spence Field mm-hmm. at Rowan's Creek. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with all that. And, and uh, Steve brought to my attention today, just through Facebook, that apparently – the forty third, the forty third anniversary. So seven years later, the guy named I guess Trini Gibson, another disappearance out there in the Smoky Mountains. 
That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I read about that case. I'm not as uh, – I, I don't have all the specifics because um, I, I, I didn't read it thir- as thoroughly as I did the Dennis Martin case. But, yeah, I am familiar with that case as well. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one at all. I have, I have, I have no idea. But I, I know that um, there's been a lot of people that have disappeared in the in Smoky Mountains National Park for a, for a while. Um, like you know, my dad, you know, he doesn't he doesn't truck in any of this kind of weird stuff. He's not really into it. But when I mentioned like the missing four one one books and the Dennis Lloyd Martin case. He was very familiar with that, and yeah. because I mean, my dad's um, well, he's born in '51, so he would have remembered when that happened. Um, the the Tennessean actually, the newspaper here in Nashville, they actually did a thing about it, and that's how I kind of got the idea to do a little bit, kind of like a little special about it, um, because I saw that and I was like, oh man, it is, it is the 50th year anniversary because it's 1969 that that yep. happened. That's right, June fourteenth, nineteen sixty nine. It was uh, Dennis Martin Senior, and his father. And then what had happened was a um, uh, another. And and Paulides talks about this a lot. How it, it's called? There's a there's a term for it called um, improbable. It, it's called the improbable narrative, or something like that. I can't remember the, exactly what it is. But what that means is that uh, you know. Mr. Martin and his father were then joined by another man and his son, and it was their children playing hide-and-seek about 40 yards away. And his name just happens to be Martin. Yeah, that's it, one of, it, yeah, that's like really bizarre synchronicity or coincidence with, with the mm-hmm. case. Yeah, it's strange. And, and then that, that same bizarre synchronicity with the names applies to the family that saw, that call, that saw the so-called Shaggy Man at Rowan's Creek, their last name being Key, you know, the key to the case, kind of, kind of, you know, bizarre synchronicity there. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, now, the one area I'm a little foggy on, and I, I definitely need to research it, the, the, the guy who did the interview with the Key family for the news, that newspaper, uh, his name was, was it, was it Newman? His last name was Newman or Newberg or something like that i don't know but i guess steve probably would know yeah so when we it, it, when we talk to him i'm sure he would know that that some of those details right okay because i'm pretty sure steve I, I i'm not sure how old steve is but i think he's probably in his 50s so he may have a little bit more knowledge and he's from he's from that area like he's from the knoxville oak ridge area right so he probably he probably has some like real physical memory of of that happening but, uh, yeah, and it, then you know the, the the one last the one last thing to, to throw into all this is that the FBI director, or, excuse me, the FBI uh, guy in charge of missing persons in that Tennessee, Western North Carolina region, yeah, he ends up killing himself in 1985. Yeah, now, yeah, you know, granted, he he had a miserable job. There's no doubt about that. But to, to you know to to end your life over it, my goodness, I mean, what else is going on? that wasn't made public that he know that he knew about right and i think some of those other cases are like that too where they're just like bizarre and i i don't know what the i really don't know what the statistic of what how many people have disappeared in 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 the smoky mountains but uh you know you hear some 
Well, I mean, we're going to get into all this, but I mean, you hear some weird stuff going on in the Appalachians, for sure. Yeah. So right. that's a good lead into what we were, what, what, how I was going to start tonight's conversation. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, uh, not, not only the weirdness in the Appalachians, but um, the weirdness in the Ozarks, which, <laughs> you know, uh, I guess just to start from the very beginning, uh, you know, I arrive. I arrive at the Bigfoot Museum in North Georgia, and you graciously, you know, uh, introduced yourself to me, and, you know... Yeah, I was right there for away, the Paramania. I was there for the Paramania event, and uh, got to introduce you to Joshua Cutchin as well. He was there with us. Yeah, and Greg so, Bishop, too. And Greg Bishop, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and right away, because I had been there so much, and because I know this this topic so well, you know, I start I start, you know, explaining the exhibits... In, in fine detail and the story behind them. And I remember Greg had asked me a couple questions, which I was very happy to answer. And, and then, and this is where it gets a little strange. Now, Adam, you chime in on this because you and I were talking with Greg. I was talking about um, that one photo that was taken in Blue Ridge of, of, a, of, a, um, of a creature. And the gentleman comes up, and remember what he says to you? You and I, he says, listen, um, do you two investigate Bigfoot? <laughs> and you and I kind of looked at each other, and I said, well, I, I don't like to call myself that, but I, what I said was I'm, enthousi- I'm an enthusiast who just happens to know a lot about the topic. I do my own investigations. Yeah. I've read a ton of books. I've seen every documentary, et cetera, et cetera. And he asked you and I if um, we were familiar with the Blue Man Monster of Missouri. And I, okay, I yeah, remember I do remember you this. and I both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you you brought it up first. You said no, but I'm familiar with 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 the Momo case, yeah. which I'm yeah. also familiar with. Which, of course, I know Seth Breedlove had done a documentary about it. And then I'm now. This is where it gets slightly weird, Adam. I, and I don't know if you remember this, but what I said was, I tell you what, sir, um, you've got a ton, not only do you have Bigfoot, but you've got a ton of mystery going on in the Ozarks, and he looked at both of us, and what did he say? He says, I really don't want to get into that. I thought that was a little odd, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Like, they didn't really <laughs> want, yeah, you didn't want to go, didn't want to go into it at all, yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I and then maybe I'm overthinking it just a little bit, but when I look at that little five-minute conversation, I don't know, it was just strange, because he singled you and I out, and then... He asked us a question that we weren't too familiar with, or at least I wasn't. And then when I changed the topic a little bit to his area of where he's from, he didn't. He 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 immediately went into retreat mode. Well, I mean, could we chalk that down to maybe this the possibility that the reluctance to speak about these things? I mean, you would think, though, being in. If he the expedition, you, expedition Bigfoot Museum. You know, <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I, mean, I think this is an open, <laughs> safe space to talk about this, these, these type of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're in the middle of a Bigfoot museum. I don't think anything you bring up is going to be considered too taboo. Right. <laughs> right. But then, Adam, um, yeah, Adam, what, what that led to was. Um, my follow-up information to you 
about the two sightings that happened within seven days of one another in the same location in North Georgia. And so I guess I'll just reiterate that for the, for the listeners. What sure. I did was uh, I've, got a, I've got two guys who uh, live, in, live up in that area, and so if I can't get up there or something happens, I immediately contact them, um, and they can either do a follow-up if I can't make it up there, or um, they'll provide me with information. And, of course, whenever I'm up there, I always meet with them and, and catch up on anything that I might have missed. So what the, the one, one of my two contacts up there, what he was able to find out was is um, the first sighting, it was either, well, there were two sightings, and I can't remember specifically which one, but... Um, the, um, hold on a second. They're coming for you. It's all good. Yeah. Good Lord almighty. It's like Radio Mysterioso with the sirens. It's a... <laughs> um, one of those sightings was uh, a roadside crossing by a guy who works in that area, but he doesn't live there, and they couldn't really follow up with him. Um, now, the second sighting um, was... An, uh, a retired couple who do live in that area, and it was, and of course that second roadside crossing was almost literally in the exact same spot as the first one. And um, what my guy up there told me was that he actually went to uh, he went to the property with the intentions of just being nice and respectful and just asking a couple basic questions for follow-up. Um, and before he got there, he was told, don't bother because they're not talking to anybody. And he asked why, and he was told two different versions. One is, is that too many people started flocking to their property, wanting to do interviews, and they didn't like that. But... The, the guy, whoever this guy is, told my guy that that, that didn't seem truthful. And, and uh, basically what he feels is that they were told not to talk about it by someone. Mm -hmm. Now, who this someone is, I don't know. Um, now... Uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure if you're aware of this, but just a couple weeks ago, there was a third sighting, and it was just 15 minutes south of the Bigfoot Museum in a small little town called Elijay that uh -huh. you have to pass through before yep. you get to the museum. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, with the second time I went, uh, well, both, actually and, um, both times, we passed through Elijay, so yeah. Right. And now this guy is kind of experiencing the same thing. He's apparently he's gotten a ton of uh you know um emails and uh basically just your your we'll call it the garden variety harassment. You know, you're a wacko, you're you know, you're lying, you're and and he actually sent an email to the person that he divulged his sighting to saying, "I wish I I had never told anybody." Mm -hmm. And um, so he's being pestered, and and it just seems to me because harassment can be manufactured. You know, it, it may look like just the general public getting on someone's case, but that but harassment could be manufactured artificially 
by a, a person or a group of people to make that to make those other pre- people not talk. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, and um, uh, that particular sighting just south of the museum, basically, uh, again, this guy saw a tall, kind of a grayish, uh, fur-covered creature walking on two legs, and when he when he pulled over to take a closer look, at it, the creature ran into the tree line, and he never saw it after that. So... Uh, there, there is definitely some serious activity in, in that area. Um, there was a fourth sighting um, right there north, just past Blue Ridge, at the Georgia-North Carolina border, where a particular woman has a ton of activity on her own property. So, you know, if you draw a circle from the basically the, the Appalachian Trail, um, where the first two sightings happened within a week of each other in February, go up to the westernmost point of Carolina, back down to Georgia. That little circular area is really dense with uh, some serious activity right now. Yeah, it's it seems to be a hot spot. Um, when I both times that I was there, um, and the, the owner came out, and actually Josh gave his presentation. Um, at the Paramania event and the owner came out and he actually addressed us and talked to us and uh, he said among many things that he said he said that there is a lot going on and he reiterated that the second time that I went and I went up and spoke to him and I plan to get him on the show at some point to talk about the experiences up there talk about the museum etc but uh, yeah he he really re says that yeah people are seeing weird creatures bigfoot left and right up there like it's not yeah. it's 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 not unusual and it's interesting how it's all around the bigfoot museum um <laughs> i kind of have my own idea about why that could be but um there but then that goes into the harassment stuff too so what mm-hmm. is that? What does that mean? Um, it, that that phenomenon, and I told you this, and we'll, we'll get into more of this, uh, but when we met up there back in April, I told you that that kind of harassment and other instances that are going on that we'll, that you're going to talk about are very much in line with the men in black phenomenon. And that's, but yes, that's, that's, it's like, that has always been associated with the UFO phenomenon. So the U- so people see UFOs or they encounter aliens or whatever. All of a sudden you have these weird men in black that come in and tell them not to speak about it. And now this seems to be happening in these Bigfoot sightings too. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and what I had uh, touched on in April when I met you is that I can cite you three cases that fall into this uh, harassment, men in black, whatever. You yeah. know, I, uh, I, I, I kind of I wish Nick Redfern was, was uh, behind me so I could reference <laughs> men in black a little bit better because I know, I know he's done a lot of, you know, writing on, on that topic. Um, but nonetheless, it, it, with, your, with your blessing, I'll go ahead and cite you the cases yeah, that describe absolutely. what you and I are talking about. Yeah. And this stuff, when you told me, really just blew my mind. I mean, it's it, once again, this is 
these different, supposedly different phenomena cross-fertilizing with each other. Right. Right. And there's more of a, and I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but there's definitely uh, a, a more of a physical commonality. In other words, what I'm about to describe, the, the nucleus of what I'm about to describe is the fact that three people in three different parts of the country can physically describe the same two individuals coming to visit them and, and harassing them. Yeah. So let's go into those cases. Um, okay. What, what so, exactly happened? Okay, so uh, just bear with me for about a couple minutes, and, and I promise I, I, I'll, um, I'll breeze right through it. Yeah, no so, problem, yeah. So Take the it away. first case, the, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> the first case was in, it was either, in, it was either Oregon or Washington State, but a, a gentleman was um, hunting, and he, um, he a, a, at first, he was getting the the typical type of you know for, he got he didn't get the smell but he he could he couldn't see a creature but when he had the typical when he would walk it would walk when he would stop those heavy footsteps in the tree line would stop and so he knew that there was something there but he just didn't know what it was um, then he started to hear some growling at that point this this hunter turns around starts heading back towards his vehicle, which was, I think, maybe two or three miles away. And he's heading back down the trail, and um, he starts getting pelted with rocks. He draws his uh, weapon, which, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, was just a, uh, was a, hunter's, a hunter's rifle. I don't know the exact make, maybe a 30-odd six, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. But nonetheless, um, there was an escalation inactivity from whatever was, you know, um, following this, this hunter. At one point, the creature steps out in front of him, and the, the hunter had became, become so scared, uh, and according to this hunter, the, the creature charged him, mm -hmm. and he went ahead and, and fired his weapon. Okay. The creature, uh, you know, stopped yelled and just threw an unbelievable, I guess if you want to call it a fit, he went into the creature, went back into the tree line. He could hear screaming and yelling and breaking of branches. The hunter used that little window there to book it back down the trail double time and get back to his car and get out of there. Uh, a few, now, when this gentleman got home, he... he what I read was that this guy's family, I think he had a wife and, and either one or two kids, really noticed that how he was very, very quiet and withdrawn. Didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to do anything with anybody. He even called out sick from work, even though, he, even though physically he was, he was not ill. And I think on the third day, second or third day that he was home by himself during the day, while the kids were at school and his wife was working, there's a knock at the door. He answers the door, and it's two individuals. One guy looks like Grizzly Adams. He's got the, you know, the old Matt Haggerty, big, long beard, big guy, about six foot five, wearing camo pants and a plaid shirt. 
The other guy that's with this uh, Grizzly Adams-looking fella, he is a shorter guy, about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, very, very clean-cut and wearing a suit. And what he says is that these two guys said, look, we know what happened. You absolutely are not going to discuss it with anybody or tell anybody what you saw or what you experienced. And at first he was in shock, like, who are you? How do you know what happened? Because I haven't told anybody. Uh, And basically, uh, uh, after a little bit of jawing back and forth, the the shorter professional-looking guy says, well, look, uh, we can make your life extremely miserable if you don't cooperate. The best thing you can do is forget about what happened and get on with your life. And... And he, the, this individual, this guy, this hunter, he basically took it to heart. He, you know, he went back to work. He, I think he softly apologized to his family. I, you know, I was just not feeling well, and, and, and he decided to move on with it. Case number two. This happens, this, excuse me, this happened in Texas about five years ago, um, there was an incident where some people were camping uh, in an area near um, East Texas. And there was an incident where these uh, campers were, again, uh, they heard something big and heavy walking around their tents. They heard growling, rocks were thrown at them. And apparently something happened and where there was an, when I say something happened, there was an escalation. And now these eyewitnesses say, or eyewitness says that uh, multiple creatures came in and basically just tore up their camp. And I think the incident was originally called Torn Up Camp. And the next day, um, the local... I, for, for right now, I'll just say the local Bigfoot researcher found out about what happened, and the next day he goes to the area, and he's actually filming the, a, a torn-up tent. There's debris in the, um, in, the, in the trees. I mean, the place just looks like it was ransacked. And then he starts filming what looks like to be ATV tracks. And... Cool. These ATV tracks stop at the campsite, and then he starts to notice certain things that look like the place had been cleaned up because he immediately, the first thing this guy looked for was footprints. And you could, he could tell, and he filmed this, that you know, wherever the ground was soft, you could tell that it had been brushed over to, to wipe away whatever kind of indentations might have been made. So... He found this all very strange. He put it on YouTube. Everybody took a look at it, including myself. Um, a few days later, he gets a knock on the door. And guess who it is? It's two guys, one about six foot five, wearing camo pants with a long beard, looks like Grizzly Adams. The second dude is a shorter guy, about five foot eight, five foot nine, very clean cut, wearing a suit. And they basically tell him the same thing. Say, look, um, you're not going to investigate this. You're not going to broadcast it. You're not going to talk about it. And he was pretty um, 
from what I understand, this local researcher was pretty much, forget you guys, I'm going to do what I want to do. And for the next seven days, this guy went into a laundry list of harassment that he had never experienced before. Let me give you some examples that he had um, cited. First, his YouTube video was taken offline, not by him. It was just taken off. Hmm. He, don't know, he doesn't know how it happened or who did it. Yeah. But every time, he tried uh-huh. to, every, t- every time he tried to reload it, he couldn't load the video. Uh-huh. Then there was her, uh, his wife came back all upset. All she did was make a couple of uh, errands it, it, during an afternoon, stopped and got some gas, went to the store. She said these two characters were following her the whole time in an unmarked, blacked-out SUV. And she noticed it was the two individuals because when she was looking at the SUV in a parking lot, they went ahead and rolled the windows down, and she could tell it was the same two guys. Hmm. Then the, the third incident that really uh, scared this guy, he said, this local Bigfoot researcher in East Texas, he says he's sitting at his computer. Now, his hands are not on the mouse. They're not on the keyboard. He was actually reading a book in front of his computer uh, at that particular time of the evening where this happened. And he says all of a sudden his cursor starts moving by itself. And every file, every photo, everything he had related to the topic of Bigfoot and his computer was abruptly, abruptly deleted in seconds. Okay. So, Interesting. So he he decides, and I'm not quite sure how this was communicated, but but the harassment stopped because he he didn't pursue it any further. He he stopped. He didn't post anything or put anything on his computer. He he stopped trying to. Uh, he stopped attempting to try and post his video. He just stopped doing all the stuff that normally we do. And after that, he didn't see those two guys ever again. Yeah. Now, case number three. This happened in Virginia just a few years ago. There was a gentleman hunting. Um, He claims that he actually saw a female with a young one that was in a tree. Uh, He was out hunting, had his rifle with him. He claims that this young one decided to make a charge. And he shot at it, and he hit it, and he saw blood. Um, He turned and ran. He looked over his shoulder, and he could see the female rushing to the aid of the juvenile and then heading back into the woods. Um, A couple days later, guess what happens? He gets a knock on the door. Two individuals. One guy, six foot five, wearing camo pants, very rough looking, long beard. The other guy is a shorter guy, about five eight, five nine, very clean cut, wearing a tie. And he he said specifically that these two individuals gave him instructions that you don't talk about it, you don't uh, post anything about it, you don't go online about it, you forget about it, and if you don't, we're going to make your life miserable. And he, now he he kind of broke the rule a little bit by 
discussing it on a podcast, which is where I'm getting this information from. Yeah. But ultimately, and this is what I told you when you and I were talking at the museum, ultimately, here's the question that really needs to be asked. How do you explain three people in three different parts of the country who have the commonality of violence associated with these creatures being visited by the same two guys, although these three people have, don't know one another, have never met one another, and have never communicated with, at all with one another. But yet the same two guys show up at their doorsteps in three different parts of the country. How do you explain that? So ultimately, I have to come to the opinion that the cover-up is real and it's out there. How it's being done and who's doing it, I, your guess is going to be as good as mine. But the cover-up is real and it's out there. So that begs the next question, why the cover-up? Now, I can only express to you guys my own opinion. My opinion is, is that the reason for a cover-up is tiered. You have an upper more common, understandable tier, and then you have a much darker, sinister, lower tier. Okay, now, the upper tier is pretty simple, money. You know, if, if, if these creatures were to be claimed as, yes, they are real and they're out there in the woods, two things are going to happen. Number one, and they're both negative financially, a lot of people are going to um, stop going out into the woods because now they've been... A, They've been aware that there's a, some sort of creature out there that has way above average intelligence and that is extremely dangerous. Although, I, my own personal opinion, I don't think that holds a lot of water because, I mean, look at me with all the backpacking that I do. Every time I go into the woods, I'm, I'm taking a risk with bears and rattlesnakes and God knows what else. Sure. But nonetheless. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but nonetheless, okay, so the, the, there's, there's going to be a huge drop in the whole outdoor retail industry there's going to be a huge money drop in sales for them because people are going to stop going out in the woods national parks are going to lose their revenues from parking fees and camping fees and whatnot um and then a lot of people cite what happened in the late 70s out in oregon where a once extinct once thought extinct owl had was discovered and so they immediately passed legislation to, to protect it and, of course, a ton of people lost their jobs uh, in the lumber industry because that land had now become protected. So the spotted so owl. The, that's exactly right. So yeah, We've got this uh, – we, we have a conservative radio talk show host here in Nashville that calls Al Gore spotted owl boar. <laughs> that's just an aside. I just you – know, throw that in there. <laughs> so the upper tier is money. And people yeah. – so a lot of people say, well, okay, good enough. Then there's the darker t side, the, the lower tier, in my opinion. The upper tier is in place to keep people from doing what I'm about to say. And the, the darker lower tier of why these creatures are being covered up is because of two words, social unrest. Because if these creatures are declared real, you have the evolutionists who are going to come out in the streets and say, ha, I told you so. Then you're going to have 
another crowd saying, um, we told you these creatures were real, they're part of the Nephilim, and uh, the end of the world is near. Then you have uh, the, the far right who's going to say, blasphemy, it's all demons, you kid, they can't be trusted. Everybody's going to start hating everybody as if they don't already, but it'll just be more in your face, more than it is today. And then you're, and you're talking about serious social unrest that would probably lead to some sort of violence which uh, would be horrific. I have never so got the- thought of it in those terms. You know that that's that's the other that's one of the main reasons why they say, well, the UFO phenomenon yeah, has why been covered up, won't right? Because it'll it'll cause social unrest. Yeah, I've, I've I think the first case and the second case probably well, or the first the first reason and the second reason probably go well together. They probably cross pollinate a little bit. Well, just and it just it challenges too many paradigms. Yeah, and yeah. The, even if it's a, something more paranormal, that's still really messing with paradigms. Right. Yeah, but but going back to the two individuals real quick, that that just it, that is just shocking how three people in three different parts of the country all describe the same two guys. That is weird. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like how how do they know what's happening? I mean, if they're the first to arrive a couple days after you purportedly shoot one of these creatures in self-defense, like a couple of these, uh, like the first one and the third one, how do these guys know about it so fast? Sounds like the one of the guys from Duck Dynasty and Jared Kushner. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, okay, well, let me, let me, let me say this. So we're dealing with, I think, possibly two options here. The first option is, just as they say about the men in black, that you're dealing with some kind of maybe government or maybe shadow government, for lack of a better term, entity that is sending these guys out there. And that you could easily explain, well, maybe one is an actual official and then the other guy is an actual like forest official. Well, maybe they are trailing them and... They don't want to, you know, come up on you when you're out there, but they're watching that, because yeah. they're trailing hey, the hey, creatures. Hey, Surf- Surfiel? Yeah. That yeah. could be part of it, Hey, yeah. Surfiel, I, I want to say, Surf- I'm sorry to interrupt you guys, but Surfiel really just touched on something, and I know we're going to talk about it some more, and I know we're going to talk, we talked about it already yeah. earlier, but look at the Dennis Martin case. Out of nowhere, the Green Berets come in, to Spence Field. That was bizarre, yeah. And mm-hmm. and they operate completely um, on their own using separate channels. Um, just uh, what? Well, uh, just a couple few days after Dennis Martin is reported missing. So there, what Surfiel just said is, I think that in my opinion, there is something there because there's some sort of universal mass monitoring of certain areas. And I, and I don't know, I, I don't know. I, that's the best way I guess I can say it, based on what Sir Fiel just said. There's some sort of following mass monitorization of, of certain areas uh, that are, uh, it's how these guys are being alerted. From your personal experience, has there been anything that, that uh, kind of sets you down thinking that? Hey, Sir Fiel, another good question. Remember the first time I came on your guy's show and I told you about the incident with the blacked-out SUV? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I, it, you could almost say that I had, I've, I, maybe I have had something along these lines, yes. not as, not as, as intense as these three cases that I cited. But remember, my, the first time I came on your show, I was camping near the AT. Uh, there's a ridge overlooking the campsite. There, the, uh, a healthy tree comes crashing down. There's a huge silverback gorilla grunt-like sound that, co- that, that echoes throughout the entire camping area. And then 7 a.m. the next morning, this strange blacked-out SUV with a big silhouette of, of the paddy creature on the back of its SUV with mm. two tech guys completely, you know, in military gear, <laughs> uh, show up, the, you know, 7 a.m. the next morning. I go, walk up to them to, have, to say hello and offer them a cup of coffee, and they basically blow me off, hit the gas pedal, and leave me in the dust. Yeah. You know, so, you know, yeah. I... Yeah, I, I, strange. So to answer, to answer Sir Field's question, I, I think I've had a little brushing with that, just not the full-blown... Yeah. Grizzly Adams and short, clean-cut guy show up at my door. Yeah, what that sounds like like is the the Grizzly Adams is a special forces guy, and the clean-cut guy is some kind of agent, intelligence guy. Like, right, exactly. Well, yeah. yeah, but but I'll throw I'll throw this for a loop of just saying that like the Men in Black phenomenon is not always considered to be the government agency. Right, right. That we're talking about another like separate supernatural phenomenon. So you've got two archetypes going here. I mean, you've got the, the the obvious archetype of the of the government agent and the nice suit, and then you got the more rustic outdoorsman. I actually, when you said he was wearing plaid, since I'm listening so much to Strange Familiar, flannel man. That this that, oh, that, 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 that there's an aspect of flannel man. Flannel so man is wearing, really special ops hunting bigfoot. Yeah, if he's wearing um, red and black fl- uh, plaid, then. Um, that, 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 but that that uh, that also that also could be an archetype, and that's maybe that this is just another supernatural phenomenon that these guys are are experiencing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what I would put out there. Um, but you know, the I, I think there could be some credence to the fact that the possibility that well, look, I mean, the Bigfoot stuff is so popular now that you would almost think that at a certain point if they know these creatures are out there would they not be monitoring them for some well this kind of reminds me of like the the greatest game type of thing too like what if it's a super elite bigfoot hunting yeah <laughs> like, right right yeah you know that's yeah. only reserved for like you know right billionaires or something i don't know. <laughs> so these are the two possibilities that i can see as far as what this phenomenon could be uh, I did also want to add some of my ideas about what's going on, possibly going on in Blue Ridge. And that may have to do with the idea of this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at all this stuff from a supernatural angle and, uh, Josh and, uh, Timothy, Tim Renner, they're both working on this book right now, which I think is going to be really revolutionary in turning, the, the ape in the woods theory on its head but um looking at the idea that you you have this expedition bigfoot museum in this town and everybody's seeing bigfoot i almost let to look at it and think is this perhaps like some kind of tulpa that people are seeing mm-hmm. like a like a thought form kind of phenomenon i mean yeah i mean that's certainly a possibility 
Yeah. Either that or, you know, I think that area has probably been active for a long, long time. It's just a lot more people are a little more comfortable talking about it these days. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. I could, I could, I could definitely, definitely see that that possibility. I think the TV shows are helping in that way of bringing this kind of stuff to light, just like it did for ghosts mm-hmm. back in back yeah, in I agree. ten, fifteen years ago. Uh, the, the, all the attention that's on that's on Bigfoot. I, I just think it's interesting that people are seeing these things more and more. So what? What exactly are we dealing with? I mean, are we dealing with that people are seeing them because it's more in the popular culture? Are we dealing with them because people are more apt to speak about them? Are we dealing with it because the encroachment of people onto these environments has become so much more that they are seeing these these creatures and they actually are real? Are we dealing with some kind of manifestation of all three? <laughs> Yeah, I you know uh, I I think I said this on the very first time I was on your on your podcast. Yeah. If you had asked me ten years ago what these creatures are, I I, I would have said one hundred percent flesh and blood. It's an undiscovered primate. Right. But the the longer you study this this topic, and the more weirder it gets, and um, a lot of people, like myself, have kind of softened their position a little bit. You know, you and I and, and Josh Cutchins, uh, we, we talked about this at the museum for a little bit. You know, one of the biggest, most popular podcasts related to Bigfoot right now, um, you know, the, he was the same way as me, where, you know, five, ten years ago, hey, 100% primate, everybody else is a wacko. But his position is softened, and so is mine. Because the longer you're in it, the more weirder it gets. And yeah. the, the physical doesn't describe some of the things that you discover when you spend an extended amount of time researching this topic. Right. A good case in point is one of the displays that they have at the museum, which is the Ape Canyon story. And I've heard Josh and Tim talk about this a lot lately. And so, you know, and I've heard this story for a long time. You know, I was, the first time I ever read it was in Jerome Clark's book, which is one of my favorite books of all time, about unexplained physical phenomenon. But basically, you know, the, the guys in the 1920s, the two guys that are in this cabin, and they get attacked by what they see as apes that are throwing rocks at them all night. And eventually, in the morning, the apes leave. They're able to get away. Uh, that's the basic story. But if you actually read the memoir of this, there's all these weird encounters that the guys have. They see, like, arrows in the sky pointing them towards the the the, the mine or whatever that they're going to work in. Uh, they encounter this woman in white at this certain point. Um, and, and the woman in white motif, apparently, from Tim and Josh's research, is uh, quite extensive as almost a precursor to the big, to, to Bigfoot sightings. Um, they're hearing things happening in the sky, voices coming from the sky. And then later on, the Bigfoot encounter with the apes attacking them happens. 
That's exactly a lot of yeah. people don't know about that. I mean, and what I mean is, uh, I no didn't know about it until Josh told me. Yeah, yeah. I, I read about it. Where did I read it? It might have been from Josh. Um, but anyway, um, no disrespect to anybody out there, but your basic armchair quarterback type of uh, enthusiast knows about Ape Canyon, just like I did years ago, and could describe it just fine. But right. a lot of these armchair guys, they don't know what you just described. And, and, and I was like, I didn't know about it till I read about it, too. And so a lot of people just don't don't know about that part of the story. Well, it's this it's this whole thing that is that happens where you want I, I, I think more so with Bigfoot research and cryptozoology as a whole, that they really want to be taken seriously as part of science. And they want to be taken they want to be taken seriously by the rest of the scientific establishment. So to it's not a huge leap to think that there is some distant human cousin or some other part on the primate evolution that could have survived. It's not a huge leap to think about that happening. But but I think because of that and because of that 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 they want to be taken seriously, the weird stuff gets left out. And that was going on also in the UFO literature too, because there was a push in the fifties and sixties with the UFO with ufology, especially you know with uh, MUFON and all the other APRO and all these uh, civilian UFO groups that we need to leave out the the high strangeness stuff because it's not going it's going to look silly, it's going to look stupid, and we don't want to we don't want to look silly and we don't want to look stupid, but. Yeah, well, the, the high strangeness stuff is the most fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of that is happening in the Bigfoot world too, because um, I'll read about an encounter from an, from a, I'll, I'll read an update on a person who who had described an encounter, say from a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago, and they'll. And and the update is posted or written because they'll say, the one thing I didn't describe because I didn't want to go overly weird is that before I saw the creature, I saw this in the sky or I saw that in the woods, mm-hmm. uh, strange lights, uh, you know, um, orbs. You know, a lot of that is left out in, in Bigfoot sightings, yep. and which I didn't know about until just the last couple of years. And so you have the same people who had, who were who, you know, weren't afraid to talk about the encounter, but they were afraid to include the high strangeness part of it. And now they're going, now they're, now they're including it. Mm-hmm. Because I think but, it's... you know, um, Adam, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you know, we have that case of the two brothers in Washington State or Oregon, one of those two, uh, regarding the lady in white. Um, mm-hmm. And I... Don't I have to apologize because I don't remember if I described that case to you or not. I don't think you have. Okay, so just a couple, just two years ago, two brothers um, out out in the Pacific Northwest, they had serious, and I mean serious, harassment from Sasquatch creatures. Uh, footprints leading up to their carport. Um, one brother saw this creature enter their carport and literally urinate 
behind a refrigerator uh, that was in the in the carport, um, slapping on windows. Um, they, they there were stalking uh, the brothers uh, on their property. I mean, it was serious harassment. And one of the first things that um, they did was they they tried to calm themselves down and start chronicling all of this activity. And so rather than run and hide or, or, you know, try and, um, you know, try and deflect some of of this activity, they started started paying closer attention to it. And one of the brothers said that shortly before a creature was spotted across the street from their property, from their house, he said he saw this, what looked like this woman in white, um, older woman, like a senior citizen, dressed in these raggedy, you know, like bag lady type of clothes, but they were white, but they were just old and dirty and, and you know, like from the 70s, like, or, or like from someone who's been living on the streets for a long time, you know? Yeah. And... Um, I'm not quite sure the how or the why, but one of the first people they turned to for help, or maybe this was the only person that was available to them, was a woman who um, had psychic abilities. And the, now, the, one of the brothers claimed that he didn't, he didn't bring this topic up to this psychic. And one day this woman says to the two brothers, by the way, in addition to all this Bigfoot activity, are you seeing a woman that, an older woman dressed really raggedy, kind of in white? And the one brother says, holy smokes, yeah, how did you know about that? And the psychic says to these two brothers, well, basically this is a demon. And what this, I don't know how, but this what this psychic, the psychic was able to uh, interpret was, um, this demonic entity was basically describing these creatures as empty vessels. And so whenever this de- demon wanted to roam about the land in the physical and cause chaos or harm to, to humans in the name of so-called evil, then this she would have first appear in her, whatever you want to call it, ethereal form, looking like a bag lady from the 70s, and then would jump into one of these creatures spiritually. And that's, and that's what these were two brothers were experiencing. And this, this was happening just a couple of years ago. Wow. That, and that's a lot like a, a lot of folk traditions about um, witches, you know, turning into some kind of weird and hybrid animal. Yeah. 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 That's very similar. So, what is that? You know, what does that mean? You know, what is all that? The the and and this is a motif that apparently is again and again in these cases. And I think from what you have been describing, people, you, you we may be seeing this after phenomenon happening more and more with this supposed government follow up. <laughs> So, uh, strange stuff. 
Is there a can you, you know, it just can, it, it, it circles right back to around to what we were just talking about how the the longer and deeper you get into this topic, it gets really strange. Absolutely. Can you yeah, trace the, the, the first, first cases where they have you have the weird kind of men in black thing afterwards? Or the men in camo? Yeah. I'm sorry, could you repeat that, Sophia? Can you uh can you trace some of the first Bigfoot cases where you had this kind of uh men in black type of phenomenon with it? Um, well, specifically with these two individuals, I had never heard of them until I came across, across these three cases. Okay. Um, prior to that, um, I, I do know that, uh, that, you know, the men in black that were spotted in West Virginia during the Mothman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, years. Um, apparently what I had read, and I, I might have gotten this from Nick Redfern, but I'm not 100% sure on that, so if I'm wrong, I apologize. But basically, not only were they there to kind of keep an eye on whatever, but it, in other words, they were there to keep an eye not just on the Mothman, but everything else. It, and Because we all know that there was additional phenomena happening besides just the Mothman. You had you know, UFOs, uh, you had you know, Sasquatch was happening, you had um, well, Darren Berger there. What, what was that little guy called? Uh, injured injured cold. cold. You had all, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You had all that happening. And so my first, I guess, my fr- there was some, I don't, know if, I don't know if it was Nick Redfern or John Keel, but someone had, made a, someone had written and made a note that uh, these supposed men in black um, had made statements that, any phenomenon, whether it's Mothman, Bigfoot, or anybody else, you're not going to talk about it. And so that's that's where I first heard about it. Um, but to be more specific, the the, the tall, you know, um, wilderness-looking guy with the short, clean-cut dude, I, I I had never heard of those two individuals until I came aco- across those three cases. Well, because people have been you know seeing this this stuff since. Uh colonization and then the natives saw these things before that i'm just wondering if there's anything similar that happened back then say maybe like the sheriff shows up or some or like you yeah. know if it since since people have been seeing this stuff so long i wonder if there's anything that's akin to that like a correlation i'm not quite yeah. sure but let me say this Sophia. my own personal opinion is that if you look at the timeline of those three cases the first one which was, I believe, in the late 90s or early 2000s, uh, the hunter out west, I equate the, the proliferation of activity in these two individuals with this running parallel with the proliferation of the Internet and social media. Okay. Okay. So it's almost like, okay, it's the late 90s. We already know people are seeing these creatures, but now there's this Internet thing and then you come to the early 2000s there's youtube let's you know from the gut from a government official perspective i can see some guys sitting behind a desk saying okay let's get a team in place to start uh going face to face with these encounter with the people who had these encounters and put the kibosh on any type of social media activity before it gets out of hand man we better be careful <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that leads me to a question of let let us leave some of the more woo-woo stuff 
and let's kind of like more look towards the ape in the woods theory that if we're dealing with an actual animal that is out there and we find it and conclusively say yeah these creatures are here and they've been here for a long time what do you think the effect would be on society on us would it change anything do you think it would create that unrest you're talking about you you think people are afraid of yeah you know i i wish it i can only give you my opinion i i would hope that it wouldn't i i i hope that there'd be three categories of people people like us who say huh we knew it all along we told you so you know um then there'd be the scientists backing it up group number two and then group number three would be the general public that would just say, okay, they're there, it's, it's, it's a physical primate of some sorts, and we just have to be extra careful in the woods. Um, just like, and that's the same type of cautions that I and everybody else takes when they enter the woods today, when you're talking about snakes, bears, and other things. It's just another, another animal that you have to consider. I hope that, that it would be that easy Unfortunately, I just don't have that kind of trust in the general public. I, I do think there would be massive unrest. Um, I hate to use politics as an example, but the, the, the hatred that one side has for the other would be morphed into the same type of bickering back and forth and fighting back and forth with it. You know, it's, it's, you, know you have one side saying... It's an abomination. It's a demon. It's the devil. You know, this is not what God wants, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight you tooth and nail till the day I die to affirm that belief. Then you have the other side that says, you know, we told you so. They're there, and we're gonna fight you just as hard in all different aspects, whether it be social media protests, whatever you want to call it, uh, to affirm our beliefs. So. Well, especially if they are more closely related to us than they would be to the great apes, and yeah. they're and they're sentient. Well, uh, that's what I was going to say. Maybe beings they also have they could also have answers to mysteries about our own origins, and what if they have a lot of our genetic material? Right. Exactly. Yeah. There, there, yeah. There, are, are, there is that theory out there that they are the remnants of the Neanderthal. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I also think that the the hostility, the social unrest or hostilities toward each group would would um, would escalate into well, okay, so now Bigfoot's real. What else is real that we were told isn't? Right. And and it's just going to keep getting worse. And we're oh, so now aliens are real? No, they're demonic too. It's just going to be one, you know. It's like Pandora's box opens, and now it's just going to be one battle after another from two groups of people, just like it is in politics these days, unfortunately. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. I was thinking, too, well, if, if it is some kind of relative, then we, we know we had, like, cr- crossbreeding with Neanderthals and perhaps other species, um, subspecies, maybe... Um, People are going missing because they're stealing these people. And they're becoming part of the gene pool. Yeah, that's a big part of 
some of the theories. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, I'm not that's a, that's another cross fertilization between the fairy lore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds just like and, the changeling and thing. Bigfoot yeah. and Bigfoot and and Bigfoot stuff too. Yeah. Who 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 was it? I think you guys have talked about it a couple of times on different shows. But who who was um, presenting the theory? How most of this can be almost it all ties back. It's all related. Well, I mean, Josh has, you know, done a lot of the comparative work. Yeah. On fairies and the alien and the uh, alien phenomenon and Bigfoot. Yeah. Those are the three main things I that even, he's talked about. I even heard Timothy Renner draw some really yeah. brilliant yeah. Pa- parallels between, um, you know, Neanderthal Bigfoot creatures and Flannel Man. You, you, you yeah. got the big. The big guy with the big beard, kind of, you know, uh, just like you've got the, you know, the big hairy guy, which would be, you know, the Sasquatch. You know, I've heard him make those parallels, which I think are, I think that that's a great um, idea on his part. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, and he has that one story, I believe, if you've listened to Strange Familiars, where he talks about, uh, one of the guys talks about uh, the car being lifted up. And seeing the Bigfoot in the back, and seeing that they look like the Bigfoot was wearing flannel. Flannel, but yeah, he that's also right. he that's also right. talks about kind of like the quote unquote evolution of some of the stories from like the 19th century of the idea of the wild man, and many times the wild man was out there in the woods, and people would say that well he was wearing clothes. Mm. Right, uh, I myself have come across. Um, uh, eyewitness reports where some of them, I remember there was one, I forgot what state it was in, but there was one specific where uh, a fisherman saw a creature drinking, you know, with his hands cupped out of a stream. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when it stood up, he, he's like, you know, it was, it was hairy from head to toe. It was about eight feet tall, bulky, but it had a torn up flannel shirt on his back and came to halfway down his arms. It's like a guy transforming into one of these things or something. It's like, like when the world is going on. Well, well, that's where that's a werewolf, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. where Bigfoot? Right. Yeah, where Sasquatch? <laughs> well, this is the thing, though. Too, I mean, you know, Serfiel's brought this up with the werewolf. You know, Dogman. You know, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. You know, I mean, this this is the one that gets that just gets me because yes i can see even though i'm skeptical the ape in the woods that is that could survive out there but this supposed canine that can stand on its hind legs <laughs> just seems physically impossible to me and it and it right. seems like it's something out of a horror movie and it's something out of folklore but yet people are claiming that they're seeing these things and it's also very, very huge on the internet. So are we dealing yeah, with another Tulpa is. effect? Are yeah. entities showing themselves to us in that light? Yeah. I, God, Dogman. I mean, this all scares me, but Dogman really scares me. 
Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Said, I said that uh, the first first time I was on your show, I, I said the same exact thing. I'm like, my God, Dogman scares me. I, and, you know, I, I, I say that because, you know, at the very least, whether you're a believer in Bigfoot or not, at the very least, in, the, in your subconscious or the back of your mind, there is that cloud of connect the dots to a primate because of all the similarities that these creatures have to documented type of behavior by people like Diane Fossey or Jane Goodall. So it's there. There's a, if you're, even if you're a non-believer, you can play connect the dots and say, okay, maybe. But with Dogman, there's none of that. I mean, it, it, it's just it's it's a wide open arena of theory, all and none of it good. Is it alien? Is it demonic? Is it is it a bad military experiment where you're cross crossing genes and chromosomes to create the super soldier that went bad? I mean, we just whatever whatever the, it is or whatever it may be, none of it's good. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's 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 uh it's really frightening. You know, I, mean, uh, I haven't. I I have to admit, I haven't looked at it lately. Are there still? Is there still activity in that county of Wisconsin where Bray Road is located? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, that was. I mean, the f- I know Linda. I know Linda Godfrey's keeping her finger on the pulse of that region. Yeah. But I just I. And I know there's been a lot of reports have surfaced over the last year or two in Michigan as well, mm-hmm. the Michigan Dogman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but I'm I'm a little unaware of of any recent activity uh, in Wisconsin, specifically Bray Road. Well, the Dogman stuff is interesting from where that we first hear about it, which is Wisconsin and Michigan. This was the same area that the Native Americans that were up there, the legend of the Wendigo. Right. Is very similar to, in its description, to a canine-like creature. And um, you, 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 I've heard other descriptions of people just seeing just strange, weird animals. Very similar to that. Just on the, granted, on all fours. You know, you, you, you hear these descriptions of these errant, weird yeah. creatures. You know, you, uh, if you want to, um, and it, this is what I've found in my own research, is if you look at that Four Corners region, uh, you're looking at a lot of uh, type of creature eyewitness accounts that uh, maybe that, maybe that I'm, I'm unaware of here on the East Coast, but oh, out there... Now you're getting into skinwalkers, you're getting into windigos. Um, I forgot the name of the short, the little short creature. Um, oh, gosh. I'm not I sure apologize. I want to know what it's called. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Chupacabra? But, Chupacabra. Yeah, no, not that one. This, one's, this one has two legs. Um, nice. Oh, gosh. Oh, I apologize. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, that's all right. I remember here. I think I remember hearing Lon Strickler talk about it one time, and I, I had forgotten the name, what the name yeah, was. But, yeah. um, but anyway, yeah, you get out into that area. Now you're now you're really opening up a whole new theater of, uh, 
of of not I, yeah, I don't know how you want to describe it. You, I I I I I wouldn't necessarily. It may look it like a cryptid, but it may not be a cryptid. I mean, you're talking about a lot of supernatural infestation. Yeah, you in are in that area. And there's the, always looking at some of these things and looking at them as as, as archetypes and the what that importance is you know we had on i don't know if you remember last year we had on the guy from england rich blackett and he talked about uh the the kind of like the 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 wolf cults uh yeah as a matter of fact i i think that was the first time i i came on your show because i was the next guest after that guy was it was it i i was I that was so. that episode 220 Oh, Come on, Adam. I'd, I'd have to look. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but 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 going into that, just you know how important. Yeah, it is episode two twenty. How how important that has been as an archetype for for humans. And so you, so I'm I'm interested in that. I'm interested in like what these animals mean, maybe magically or psychologically to us and why we keep seeing them why are owls so important why are wolves so important why are deer so important why are rabbits so important why do they show up you know uh, uh, crows there's another one and, and all these th- that 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 kind of stuff just really fascinates me i'm not sure i quite understand it i mean you got to think that's the first those were the first uh symbols those are the first things they find on cave walls from you know the true from caveman times is is animals yeah that's yeah. true you know it's kind of right. a, the earliest type of petroglyphs hieroglyphs yep I, i'm still uh just to, I, I hope this doesn't change the topic too much but i'm still very fascinated by some of the theories put out by ron moorhead um if there is a supernatural aspect to these to, to bigfoot I'm very fascinated, and I tend to lean towards some of his theories that he wrote about in a book that came out a couple years ago called Quantum Bigfoot, where he's basically um, theorizing a change in vibration that gives these creatures their supernatural abilities. I'm not quite sure why, but for some reason, out of all the supernatural kind of theories that can be put forth, that change in vibration is the one that, that... kind of grabbed grabbed me grabbed my attention and i i tend to lean towards if i'm gonna factor in a supernatural aspect it's what ron moorhead wrote about in his quantum bigfoot book that came out just a couple years ago how they how when they're here in the physical they are physical you know they got the hair they have to eat which is why you know they hunt the deer and and but 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 when it's time to go for whatever reason um you know, the change in vibration then gives them the ability to, you know, um, change realms. Or, you know, now you're talking about the ability to cloak and disappear when there's a change in vibration. Again, using quantum theory. And that, and that, that really, that, that, that stuck with me. I, I, uh, to this day, I, I still find that pretty fascinating. Well, that is in line with other aspects of the... UFO phenomenon, the alien abduction phenomenon, where you have the physical traces. So the UFO lands, it leaves traces. You have the one case where, the I think in Canada, the guy that got burned by one, he had to actually had the, um, 
it's coincidentally the inside of his flannel shirt scorched onto his skin. Um, and you also have the same thing in Alien Abduction with the the was it the um, the little tracking devices that are supposedly inside people. Mm. You know that man right. that that manifestation. Um, uh, so you have these physical manifestations of these pheno- of these phenomenon, and then you have the spiritual manifestations. And this is exactly how in the Bible, you know, that angels are actually described as they can have a physical effect on their environment. So, yeah. Well, I uh, think your I think the guest you had on your last show was was her name was it Julie? Yeah, Julie Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, she even touched on on how um what happens immediately after the physical dies, how there's it's a change in vibration that leads to, to that different realm. Correct. Yeah, I think that she. Yeah, and, she. You know, I know she touched. I know she touched on that a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, there's all kinds of interesting correlations. That is yeah, for sure. The, uh, it get, yeah, it get, gets back to that one point. You know, like I, we all said it a few times just a little while ago, the, the longer you keep studying this topic and the more weird it gets, it, it gets more weird because there's more parallels from yeah. different categories of phenomena that start resembling one another. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. And, again, and, and then, you know, another thing we did not discuss is the ghost aspect. I mean, that, that almost goes without saying with some of the spiritual aspect, but that's that's another cross fertilization with all of this. I think we're dealing with, I think as Josh likes to put it, like it's like the world's biggest ghost story. I mean, that's what we're dealing with essentially. Yeah, that's and a it, good way to put it. You know, it, one of the first one of the first theories I ever heard years ago from a from a, a woman out in Oregon. She was like, "Look, you know, people people talk about seeing people who had passed away as ghosts." animals as ghosts why can't these why can't bigfoot be ghosts yep that's a good question yep i think on that note i think we'll leave it there um thank you dan this has been very excellent um tell people where uh, if they want to get i mean is there a way to get the people could get in touch with you or you know see anything that uh, you're yeah, doing right. Yeah, I haven't. I'm going to change. I've, I've made a. I made a decision. I'm going to go go ahead and uh, put together a website this year. I'm going to go ahead and publish everything that I investigated and researched. Everything I know. It's all going to be on a website coming very very soon, and I'll let you guys know um, when it's up and running. For right now, you could just go to Facebook and find me on there. Um, but other than that, uh, just stay patient. Everything's going to be on a nice big website coming real soon. Cool. That's a Maslak. Spell that for everybody. M A S L A K. Excellent. Okay. All right. Uh, we're going to close out this section, guys. We will be back to briefly close out the show with all our interesting asides and show notes and uh, all that. We'll be back on Conspiracy Normal. All right, guys. We got a new sponsor that we're going to talk about called Blinkist. And they are this new company that is 
taking books and summarizing them. So, kind of like a cliff notes. Yeah, kind of like a cliff notes, except it's a, like a 16-minute summary. So basically, you know, it's it can be kind of hard find hard to find the time to sit down and learn a little bit more when you're out on the go and you're listening to podcasts like ours. And it's uh, not easy when you get on social media and it's so addictive, time-consuming. So you might think you don't have the time to read a book or to develop yourself in any kind of substantial way. So this is an app that we highly recommend, and it's called Blinkist, as I mentioned before. Blinkist is for busy people like like you guys that are out there listening to the show that want to get the main point of the book quickly without reading the entire book. So with an audio feature, Blinkist also makes it easy to finish four books a day while you're on the go. Which uh, eight and eight million people are now using Blinkist, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health to history books. So that's very important to me. History, I checked that out today. There's a lot of history books on there. Um, one of which uh, looks interesting, called the Congo from Leopold to Kabila, or Kabila, the uh, the new ruler of the Congo. If you guys are any um, are familiar with that, you can go on there in less than 15 minutes, and you can. Get on there and fast track your path to a more intelligent, informed, healthy you. And one of the books, some of the books they've got are some of the stuff that we've talked about on the show. There's stuff like self-improvement and uh, new thought, like how to make people like you in 90 seconds or less. All right. By Nicholas Boothman or The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F by Mark Manson. So those, those sound a little bit interesting. So if you want to check those out, those are there as well. So what they're doing right now, guys, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for the Conspiranormal audience. So go to Blinkist.com slash Conspiranormal to start your free seven-day trial. And that's Blinkist. That's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Conspiranormal. And Conspiranormal, of course, is C-O-N-S-P-I-R-I-N-O-R-M-A-L. So check them out today, guys. And it also helps us out a lot. Thanks. And now, back to the show. Yeah, so that was good with Dan. Uh, I really enjoyed that. He is um, joining us in something that you probably have already heard. If not, go back and listen to it that we're going to record. It's weird how that kind of works out. Isn't it? A little bit time slippage, time travel. Uh, we're both uh, Steve Stockton on the disappoint, the disappearance, disappointments. What of disappearance of Dennis Lloyd Martin fifty years ago? So we're going to uh, we're going to talk about that with Dan and Steve. Hopefully, uh, so uh, I wanted to add something real quick that I found out today that I think we called on this show and possibly on Where Did the Road Go almost a year ago now, and we have talked about this since. Let's see. Mm -hmm. That is about the Skinwalker Ranch. 
What about it? And remember how I looked into the Skinwalker Ranch and I found some... It's been your thing, yeah. ...information about it, that it was being used for entertainment purposes. Right, you've been saying one this. Of the, one of those... Okay, so today, announcement, actually on June 21st, a few I days ago. I already see it, yep. All right. Uh, History, Green, History Channel... Greenlight's paranormal nonfiction series, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, cha-ching. History has given a green light to The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Working title, a nonfiction series from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island executive producer Kevin Burns. Gaining full and unprecedented access to one of the most infamous and secretive hotspots of paranormal and UFO-related activities on Earth... The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch will feature a team of scientists and experts who will conduct a thorough search of this infamous 512-acre property located in Utah's Uinta Basin. They will attempt to find out the truth behind more than 200 years of mysteries involving everything from UFO sightings and paranormal activities to animal mutilations and Native American legends of a shape-shifting creature known simply as the Skinwalker. So it goes mm, on to describe just the history of it, which we've talked about many times. So for the first time, cameras will be allowed onto the property for a television series, according to history, allowing the network to uncover the who, what, and why of the secretive area. The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch is produced for history by Prometheus Entertainment and Letter to Letter Ten Productions. Kevin Burns serves as executive producer for Prometheus Entertainment along with Joe Lassard, Matt Crocco, Kim Sheeran, and Anthony Florino. Joel Patterson and TJ Allard serve as executive producers for Letter Ten Productions. A and E Network holds worldwide distribution rights. So um very interesting thing in the comments of this that I thought um, from anonymous comments, the new owner of Skinwalker Ranch is Brandon Fugel. He is commercial realtor from Utah with Coldwell Banker. Well, now we know. Don't know if that's correct or that's who, because it's an anonymous posting, but, uh, I think that that's pretty much where it is. And I think that we called it back in the day. And the documentary on the hunt for the skinwalker was the first step of this move to get it on the history channel, which incidentally, the history channel is also the one that just started the unidentified series, which deals with Tom DeLonge and Luis Elizondo in the UFO. Who would have thought, man, back... I just remember when it was all it. Hitler documentaries. Yeah, you know? back when it was the when Hitler... it was the Hitler channel. The Hitler channel. Well, it was the Hitler channel Then it was for like a bar- long time. barbarians for a while, I think. Bar- Vikings. Yeah, barbarians. But at some point, it was also the Nostradamus channel. Yeah, yeah, I think. Because it was, no- it was nothing but Nostradamus <laughs> documentaries. It was Hitler and, and Nostradamus. Guess- and how Nostradamus predicted Hitler. It's slow... Yes, yeah, <laughs> Hitler and Nostradamus kind of go together. And then you've got, um, you started slipping into Pawn Stars and into yeah, it's the just their new Curse thing. of Oak Island and Wild Al- the Alaska shows, Ice Road Truckers. And so now it's just going to be. Uh, American Pickers, which I think is based here in Nashville, I think. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, yeah, so, so now it's just going to be very little super history. paranormal. And if you add ancient aliens, there's you know there's not very much history in that either. 
That's the secrets of history, man. That's the secrets of history, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Haven't you ever read this book called Chariots of the Gods? Uh, yeah, it was great when I was in seventh grade. Uh, so, yeah. Just wanted to point that out. Leave you guys with that little bit of information. That's pretty interesting. I really like talking to Dan tonight, and uh, in particular, the whole... Uh, you know, these two strange dudes, uh, the guy, one of the guys from Duck Dynasty and Jared Kushner showing up <laughs> at, your, at three different people's houses. Yeah, yeah. They get around. And uh, just that whole, like, paramilitary link is really weird because it seemed like there's some kind of elite hunters, so. You got to wonder, I mean, if there is Bigfoot out there, that would be, like you said, the, 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 the greatest or the ultimate game, right? Well, and then also, if this is some kind of physical thing, then uh, the genetic material would probably be, you know, if it's not something to escape, some kind of Weapon X thing, then, uh, like, the actual genetic material might, would, of course, be of interest to the powers that be to make a super soldier, you know? Maybe they splice in some of that Bigfoot and... You could fi- vibrate at a higher frequency or disappear from the enemy, or you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's kind of like the ultimate a- special ops guy. Like big, you throw Bigfoot behind enemy lines, and like no one sees him. Genetic <laughs> super soldier stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 creating Bigfoot genetic super soldiers. Yeah, let's hope let's hope we got enough of them if we get in a war with Iran. Well, We're didn't just, uh, didn't Stalin throw, throw have that idea to have like eight men soldiers? I'm not sure. Trying to get like women to mate with apes and stuff. Like that was an actual idea that they had. Yeah, man, it was something that was huge. Like hope they didn't actually a few years back they experiment. were talking about it. I think they did. I think they actually. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think such things actually happened. Damn communists. Yeah. Right. Okay, guys. Uh, that's it. Um, we have taken actually a two-week break, but you never knew about it, so it doesn't matter. So, uh, Seraphiel, tell everybody where they can find our stuff from Patreon, which we, yes, we sorely need to get some stuff up there. But uh, if you want to find the, I think now, 30 entries and plus one mini documentary that we did down in Florida, where would they find such a thing? You can go to patreon.com slash conspiranormal or make a one-time donation on conspiranormal.com. Excellent. All right. Okay. I think that's it, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back. Actually, we're going to be back next time. We're going to also be talking some mi- some more Bigfoot. So we're going to kill you with the Bigfoot. So thank you, guys. We'll be back with some more Bigfoot madness, weirdness on Conspiranormal. book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. 
That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.